Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And I am once again joined by my good friend, Martin Bainey, who will be the expert for this particular show. What's up, dude? I'm just chilling. Just chilling. You know, Always just, just chilling. Do you have any That's tea? all I do. That's all I do. I'm just drinking water just right now. Water. That's cool. Actually, you know what? I, do? I just realized uh, the episode we recorded before this will go out after this one. So... Oh, referencing the tea you had last episode. We're time travelers. We are time travelers. I'm a time traveler. Amazing. <laughs> yes, I do still have some Lop Song Su Chung left, so I'm very happy about that. And I remembered to get out my notebook for this episode. I keep forgetting to get my notebook out before we record. That? How do you do that? I don't know, man. There's so many components. You have to start recording on the backup recorder and on the computer and then have to have your tea and make sure your phone's on Do Not Disturb. All these things. Anywho, um, I have been asked by more than a few students how to learn how to code. And I wanted to do an episode on that because I have a good history with learning how to code. I've got a lot of experience uh, relatively, you know. Um, But you have even more. And until very recently, you were a full-time web developer and you basically spent your entire day coding Yes. Uh, doing server stuff as well. So I wanted to get into this topic and give people some starting points. Um, I wanted to go over kind of like the right mindset you should be in when you want to learn how to code. I know a lot of people just uh, get this idea. You've seen The Matrix, right? Yeah. Uh, you know you know the character Tank who just like has, he's the dude that has like the zillion monitors and he's the one who downloads all the, the judo into Neo's brain and everything? Uh, can't picture the image but i remember the concept yeah okay uh so i think that some people get like this identity in their head of like i want to be that guy i want to be you know making lots of code go all over the screen and do all the crazy stuff in computers and i think that's a fine motivation but it may not be as specific as you need it to be to actually start learning something um, I do remember I was asking one of my friends once, like, do you actually want to fiddle with computers all day and solve problems? Or do you just want to be the cool hacker dude who has 15 terminal windows open because it looks cool? And they were like, I think the second one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you actually like this or are you just trying to make your Twitter bio look really cool? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, subsequently, that person ended up switching their major. So, you know, sometimes people need a little bit of a wake up call to the real world. But you've got these movie images of what every profession seems like. Yeah, exactly. Don't let the movie image of your profession, uh, don't let that be your motivation. I guess it could be the initial, like, oh, that seems cool, but there should be some more substantial motivation eventually. That's what's going to keep you going. Um, But I did want to talk about, you know, how you can learn to code, how you can start to decide on what language you should use. And um, you've got a lot of experience. So just a bit. Yeah. How did you learn how to code? How, How did you start? Okay. And so how young did you start? Maybe I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a couple options because I this was a long time ago. It was either fifth, sixth, or seventh grade. I don't know which. I don't remember. But for the purposes of this discussion, they're all basically they have the same merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a child, and I was and learning. Had... Yeah, there were like I had this site on GeoCities. 
Oh, yeah. That was cool. And I was going through, I think, maybe W3 schools or something that doesn't exist anymore anyway. I don't, I've never been able to find it again. Dude, it just occurred to me. What? There, there might be people listening to this who have never heard of Geo. Don't tell me that. Don't make me feel that way. <laughs> You're hurting me. Um, ouch. For, for those of you who don't know, GeoCities used to be this uh, platform that Yahoo owned. And you could set up your own fun little website on it. It had like this weird little drag and drop builder and you could pick from like six little templates that none of them looked good, but you could make your own websites on it. Uh, there used to be one called Angel Fire as well. And uh, I also learned on GeoCities. So just yeah, to give we, you guys we some, actually some had the same background. Ancient history where, you know, the archaeological dust has kind of settled. We need to brush it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so go so, on. But I, I was learning... Basically, just HTML and CSS through both through fiddling around with my GeoCities thing and through these online learn how to code mm-hmm. kind of things. Much, much more. Um, uh, what's a good word for this? Uh, antiquated in comparison to like Code Academy or any of these yeah. updated, much better for teaching you systems. But there was stuff, you know, it was a while ago. The internet was a baby in a way. Mm hmm. Um, and that's really how I got my first start. And I really liked that I could learn how to make different things show up on the computer. I was really into, really into computers at the time and video games naturally. And I guess post that I didn't get like my next step until high school where I had programming stuff every year which isn't really common in high schools at that time it wasn't common oh you had it every year yeah i took q basic and visual basic and Mm c plus plus and java and then spent some time i think it was a semester or another year doing um like web applications wow and i did not have that that was like it was very fortunate Okay. That was a very fortunate thing that my high school happened to offer those things. But that's where I got my start a long time ago doing nothing. I guess I still do HTML and CSS, but like the extent to what I do now isn't very similar anymore. Yeah. Well, you've kind of specialized. Yeah. I've specialized a little more, especially in web development and like Linux server Mm -hmm. stuff. And I don't really play around with java or c plus plus or any of those kind of hard compilation yeah you have to compile your code before it works i almost exclusively work with like shell scripts and uh web web applications now and shell scripts are yeah they're so like in every movie you've seen some cool hacker or in a csi thing where they basically lie to you about how computers work and and hats Yeah, Uh, but you'll see the screen and it'll just be like black with nothing but green letters. You've got the command line where you just type in straight commands into the computer. A shell script is a list of those commands that you can tell the computer to run. Oh, okay. So a very rudimentary program. Dude, uh, so this is also going to date me, but um, the library that's just down the road from where we live, uh, because I grew up in this town that I'm currently living in, when I was a little kid... We'd go there, and all the computers at the library were terminal machines. 
There was no mouse. There was no graphical user interface. I, it was just green text. I've never seen that. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, they they changed them. How do people probably use Probably around the time I was six or seven. But yeah, you had like, to what learn. What did they do with them? Were as, people telnetting into stuff or? It, there was no internet. What were they it was, doing? It was just for looking up books. And as a literally mm. as literally a five year old kid, I had to learn how to uh, type in the books that I wanted. Maybe six years old at the time. I don't remember exactly, but I was very young. I was so young that because uh, I remember you to get your library card, you had to be able to sign your own name. And I believe I was five when I got mine, and my signature was so terrible. I get I remember like how hard it was to write. I was probably holding it like a caveman holds like a stick and just like dragging the pen across yeah. the card uh my mom probably still has that card somewhere but yeah we also had to learn how to use the terminal to look up books um wasn't too hard but it was definitely weird because uh we did have a windows 95 computer at home as well and uh, i remember playing like descent on that and stuff like that uh so that was fun but yeah i had a very similar uh start that to your start because my start was a GeoCities website. I remember when I was uh, maybe 11 years old, I got this compilation CD full of a bunch of rock music. And like one song was from this band called Demon Hunter. And I liked it. So I ended up somehow getting on the Demon Hunter website forums. Like This is back. It's kind of weird, actually. Back at this time, most bands had their own website. And they had their own forums on their own website. And like now most bands just have a Facebook page. Like they don't even mess around with the website. Or if they have one, it's just like a tour listing. But they had a forum and it was really actually, it was pretty active. And I remember uh, there was a bunch of people on the forum, like the cool people on the forum. A lot of them liked this other band called Zao. And I had never heard Zao in my entire life, but I wanted to be like the cool kids. So I decided to make my own website about Zao. <laughs> And, um, like for an entire summer, I was obsessed with this. Uh, I started playing with Yahoo, Yahoo's GeoCities thing, uh, drag and drop thing. I learned how to make pages, learned how to drag titles and make links and everything. And at one point, I think I had gotten the site to be like the most comprehensive resource on the internet about this band. Cause I basically just like found all the lyrics to all their albums, which were scattered amongst a bunch of websites. None of them had a full collection. And then I found like every picture of them ever. And I found all the biographies and I made like a news section. <laughs> and I, all this time I had never listened to their music because this was before Spotify and YouTube and everything. Wow. And then one day my dad took me to the CD store and they had one of those preview kiosks. Uh, and like you could put in a disc so I found one of Zhao's albums and I put the disc in there and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but, it you're like, their, but you're their biggest fan. It was terrible. Like wow. your vocalist was the worst. And I was like, why have I, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, I had made this entire website and eventually it got to the point where I was like frustrated with GeoCities. I was like, ah, oh, there's things I can't do with this. So how do I do the things I want to do if GeoCities won't let me? And uh, probably from a forum or something, someone was like, well, you need to learn HTML. Uh, so I remember, I don't think this exists anymore either. Maybe it does, but I went to a website called WebMonkey and they basically just had like this sequential series of text tutorials on HTML. And my first introduction to coding was 
uh, literally just typing out HTML code in Notepad and just learning like how to make a heading, how to make a link, how to make some text bold. Um, how to use a marquee. Yeah. Blinking text. <laughs> how to use a blinking marquee. Those are important still. Very important. Yeah. It's so important that they no longer exist in HTML. Um, yeah. You have to, I think you have to use JavaScript to make text blink now. The blink tag doesn't work anymore. Hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah, I haven't tried <laughs> to use it in a while, so I guess I don't know. But. Yeah. So that was that was kind of my introduction. Now, I, I put it aside. You know, I did it when I was 12. I kind of put it aside for a while until uh, I was 17, and I was in a trig uh, trigonometry class with a friend, and we got on the subject of web development, and I was like, yeah, I know how to code a little bit. I know a little bit of web development. And he was like, well, dude, so do I. And I was like, really? Why don't we make our own web development company and make money by building websites for people? And uh, so we actually, over the course of like the rest of junior year and senior year of high school, we didn't get a client, but we actually set up a business. We went and got like, we registered our fictitious business name with the, like the county courthouse or whatever. Um, we went and like had a meeting with the small business association. Like we did all this cool stuff. We built a website for ourselves. And then when I graduated high school that summer, we actually ended up getting like three or four clients. And um, eventually we kind of parted ways on the business and I kept doing it myself, kept doing freelance and stuff. And uh, that led to me getting hired on campus at the campus web development office where I promptly learned that what I was doing the whole time was not programming. Yeah. <laughs> because it turns out HTML and CSS are markup languages meant to basically f uh, build the the bones like uh, the structure of a web document and css makes it pretty and is a presentation aspect but to program inherently means to write code that uh, has a certain logic to it like it's it's doing things and i didn't learn that until my first java class uh, at iowa state and then once i got that web development job they were like yeah we're gonna need you to learn php um so <laughs> it was literally like three months of me being paid to go through a PHP book. And then eventually I, uh, I did like this, I did what I call a three birds with one stone project because in one of my MIS classes, there was uh, the teacher offered extra credit for anyone that built him a website. And then I was in a web development class that mainly just taught HTML and everything. And I was basically tech support for the class cause I was kind of already knowledgeable about most of what they were teaching but the final project was to go find a client and build a website for them so my client was the teacher offering extra credit and then i built the whole website at work while being paid and just made sure to try as many php things as i could so i was learning everything i needed to learn so that was very efficient i know right got full credit on the final project and extra credit in another class and got paid for it and built the skills I needed for my job. That's ridiculous. It was one of my crowning achievements. Yeah, but actually I ended up leaving that job because they wanted me to learn some ridiculously crazy framework. And I was like, I am, I'm, I just have to like, I have to realize that coding isn't a big enough interest of mine to get this far. Like it was way above where my knowledge level was. And I would have had to like, practice for probably a year before I would have been at the point where I would have been truly useful to them. I just started realizing it. So 
for a while, I just said, hey, can you guys like throw me maintenance projects? I'll do whatever isn't big. And then eventually those ran dry and it was like, eh, I need to step up and be part of these big software projects. And I can't, like I'm not ready. So I ended up leaving and I found a job with more maintenance web development stuff. And uh, most, I think most of what I've learned about coding has actually come from just customizing College Info Geek because yeah, it's uh, gone through several iterations hasn't it yeah um i mean you coded the the latest one yeah but there were several before that right mm-hmm. yeah there were uh three different themes before the one that we currently have and uh the third one went through several major iterations and uh the third one was really where i developed a lot of my coding chops because i had to learn how WordPress works basically and how it stitches together all these different files to make a theme uh, in order to make all the customizations I wanted to make. Cause I wanted to have like that big email box at the top and everything. And um, I can actually put pictures of V3.5 in there just to kind of show people what it used to look like. It wasn't as good as it is now, but I was proud of it at the time. And uh, that was actually like, I remember my, my education ramped up so much faster with the things I was learning for College of Geek because I really cared about it. Uh, I think that's kind of like one of the main things to realize here is like learning to code should be um, a sub goal of like wanting to solve a particular problem or do a specific thing, right? Yeah, that's absolutely the reason that I became good at code at all. It mm-hmm. was, it's either you have maybe an intrinsic drive to learn it that works fine. I had that, and it's what taught me through a lot of things. But a personalized project is even better because yeah. you get to practice while you're learning. Mm-hmm. So an example of that is, like, I used Linux for a while, basically just to learn how. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was learning how to make scripts, and I had set up my desktop to where it had this like really cool 3D aquarium nonsense. <laughs> Maybe I have a screenshot somewhere I'll look, but I had set it up to where I could change the backgrounds randomly and I had background images, transparent ones for all of the pokemon that existed at the time, which is nice. probably not nearly as many as there are now. Yep. But I had set it up so that there were six desktops And every time I logged in, all six would be randomized with different and unique Pokemon, like they wouldn't double. And that personal little project there, completely useless outside of my computer and not monetary (laughs) at all, it was just me amusing myself with stupid Pokemon wallpapers, Mm -hmm. taught me like tons of different things about how to script and it made me comfortable with Linux. And I think that's part of the big thing is you got to start with something simple, something that you're intrinsically motivated to do because yeah, it's going to be very hard at first. There's going to be stuff where you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But if you can just bite it off a little bit at a time mm-hmm. and you're really motivated to do it, that's going to work a lot better. Uh, personal website is also something that's something that helped me learn how to web develop. Oh yeah. Cause your first personal website was built on Twitter bootstrap, wasn't it? And that was like a weird, yeah. Framework. And it was very jankily, horribly put into WordPress. 
in a way that <laughs> is bad. It was absolutely the wrong way to do it. But like it worked at the time and I was learning yeah. and what I learned then, sure, maybe it was the wrong way temporarily, but that doesn't stop me from learning better later and it gave me a foundation. Oh, yeah. And that's that's also part of the thing is you're going to do things terribly a lot. You got to not worry about that. Uh, perfect what? code does not matter okay. if you're just starting out. Here's like the, the golden truth of programming. Every programmer who goes and looks back at their code from two years ago, no matter how far along they are, they're going to be like, who the hell wrote this? This is horrible. This is a travesty to humankind. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's the worst. <laughs> like I in Asana right now, I have a project for you to update one of my old client websites. And like there's an apology note in there. <laughs> I wow. Know, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm excited. Like, the code is atrocious. For the apology note. It's so bad. There's like literally JavaScript at the bottom of every page where you have to manually input how tall the body of the of the the document is. Why would because we didn't know you... about CSS's oh, like no. automatic height properties. Oh no. <laughs> so like, you have to like go and try like, oh I bet it's like two thousand and five hundred pixels tall. That's... Nope, that's too short. How about twenty seven hundred? <laughs> wow. That's gonna be really fun. First of all. Uh, yeah, it's bad. But yeah, the the so moral don't worry is about that. do not get stuck trying to be like, well I I can't write it this way. It's bad. If you oh, are yeah. really motivated to try and figure out a slightly better way, go for it. But if you do that too much, you're going to get very overwhelmed in the beginning. Totally. Working, oh, totally. Working is better. Like, what is it? Like, perfect is the enemy of good or something? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have a perfect story about that. Um, I love this story. So my senior year of college... We had the MIS capstone class. Did you have this? Where it was it was literally just a project. I can't remember if you had it. Um, they kept messing with the curriculum. Um, uh, I don't remember. Okay, well, I don't remember. I remember. What did you do? What did you do in the class? So what basically, it was like it was the final MIS class, not the final business class, but the final MIS class. And uh, in all previous years, the class had been nothing but a big group project like or not like the whole group but you would get in a group of people and you would define a problem you were going to solve and you would build the solution that was the whole class and then for our year they got this new professor who decided to try to mix it up and he comes in and like for the first few weeks of the semester he just starts lecturing from a book uh and like we were like no this is not what we want we want like a final capstone class where we make a project so actually uh we got like a lot of people in the class to petition the professor and to petition the dean of the college to change the format back to how it had been. And they accepted, which I was really happy about. And they were like, yeah, we realized this is probably not the way to go about it. We're going to go back to the project-based uh, class. Wow. Yeah. So they were like, all right, basically you need to find a, sol a problem to solve, write a proposal, and then we will accept it and then you'll build it. And I decided that I wanted to do my project by myself because uh, sometimes I'm a lone wolf that way and group projects are terrible.com. <laughs> <laughs> Buying that domain. <laughs> um, so what I decided to do is I had had this idea ever since I was a freshman of building a student organization called the Early Wake Up Club, where literally all the club would do is you would like, your dues would be abnormally high. It would be like 300 bucks or something. And then uh, all you would do is like every morning you all had to meet at some central location on campus and check in and be like, I'm awake. 
Uh, and it would just be for people who really wanted to get up early but couldn't make themselves do it. I never made that club, but it led me to this idea of like, what if there was a website where you had to log in and tell it you were awake in the morning at a, by a specific time, otherwise it would like email your grandma something offensive or would like email <laughs> your mom and be like, hey mom, I'm lazy and also I have adopted Rastafarianism or something like, I don't know. Like I made it so you could specify whatever you wanted to say in the message. Just whatever would freak out whomever <laughs> was receiving. <laughs> Which I realized like the that's, message. it's probably not a that good could idea. Backfire. That, like there's probably some like liability in there if like somebody writes something truly horrible and then like some tech bug makes it go out. So uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it's not even so, your fault. The site broke. I did have like a, a a mental note to change it to like a predefined list of responses, none of which were like career ending, just in case something bad happened, like their power went out. Um, but I built this website and it wasn't coded very well. Uh, I didn't know anything about object oriented code. It was all just written in like one document, basically, like everything was. But through doing that, I taught myself how to build a registration system. I built, I taught myself how to make a database full of users, taught myself how to build an online alarm system. I taught myself how to use uh, something called cron, which you can use to make a uh, server, basically like schedule a server to run programs automatically at specific times uh, and over and over and over again, instead of you having to run it yourself. And I had never learned all these things. It was really cool. But and this is getting a little technical here, but I think I can explain it in a pretty easy way. I did not know that I was using like the very first version of PHP's uh, code for establishing connections to a database. Like they have better, more efficient, like kind of black box ways to do it now, but I was using like their base level first ones. And what I didn't uh, learn the first time is that when you open a connection to a database, basically when you open the door for your program to reach in and grab data, you also need to code in a statement to basically close that door. Uh, and if you don't, and you keep running your program again and again, it's like oh. it keeps opening doors and opening doors and opening doors until like the database gets overloaded. It's like there's too many hands reaching in trying to grab stuff for me. None of them have been closed. I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out, man. So you like crash the server. <laughs> so it was working perfectly, right? Everything was, I was testing it all night until the day comes for me to present in front of the class. <laughs> of course, of course, this is how it's going to end. And I get up to the front and I'm like, yeah, I built this really cool alarm scheduler where if you don't tell it you're awake by a certain time, it emails your mom. And let me just log into my test account here. Connection refused. <laughs> the whole website crashed. And I was like, oh my God. I swear it works. I swear. So wow. I had to How basically get on to support with the web host and be like, yeah, can you reboot my ver my part of the web server? I accidentally opened too many connections. Oops. And then I had to come in later and like prove for the professor that it worked. So I still got a good grade, <laughs> but did case they dock in you? point, I don't think he did. Did you lose really any points he because he didn't close the database? No, I honestly like, not to toot my own horn or anything, but to toot my own horn, like my code was quite a bit more <laughs> complex than what anybody else had written in the class. Um, oh, so he was just like, like a lot okay, of people, a lot fine. of people used pre-existing software in their projects. Like I know one, one group used like pre-existing forum software to build like an online community. And they just had basically customized it through clicking buttons and, and using the settings page. 
Like I was one of the few people who literally built something from scratch. So I think he realized that and he was like, yeah, I'll throw you a bone because I probably would have forgotten to do that myself. And it, it's an MIS class. MIS isn't necessarily computer science. You know, like it's a business major with tech thrown in. So they're not necessarily grading you on like, is your code 100% perfect? I think you learned your lesson through having it crash at the, beginning, the front of the class, dude. Well, I mean, that's how you learn coding lessons. Yeah, that's, that's the, the best only way. way. Your stuff crashes. You're like, oh, why yeah. did it crash? And then you, you learn that. You I don't think it's get like, it perfect the first time ever. Yeah, it's like the cycle of coding is like, why isn't it working? This is so stupid. And then like two seconds later, oh, yeah, and then you I'm an idiot. Do that a few times. You're not going to make <laughs> that mistake anymore, hopefully. Exactly. Or coding is such be... a trial and error thing. Yeah, you just can't get around it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of actually, my video on skill development, uh, which is on the How to Adult channel, kind of talks about coding a little bit as well uh, in, in those terms. So I'll put that in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, you got to make mistakes. It's the biggest thing. I want to talk about, there's this guy, his name is uh, Kevin, I think it's GC. It could be, yeah, I think it's GC. Uh, his channel is Cheers Kevin. Um, he's like a YouTube acquaintance of mine. And he has this video called How to Learn How to Code. If you type in How to Learn How to Code on YouTube, he'll be the first one. But I'll have this embedded in the video or in the show notes as well. And he actually breaks down like the philosophy of how to learn how to code really well. Um, and I'm kind of going to kind of grill you on like languages in a second but I want to break down just kind of to reiterate some of the things we've been talking about here. Basically, he was like a lot of people, when you ask them how you're supposed to learn how to code, are going to say like, A, you need to have a deep academic understanding of computer science. You need to know lots of math. You need to know lots of deep computer science concepts, blah, blah, blah. Or they're going to tell you, yo, yeah, dude, just learn Ruby or just learn Python or just learn Java or whatever. And they're like recommending specific coding languages based on their personal preferences or what they learned. But he says that like programming languages are like human languages. Whereas like in that you're using them to do specific things, like with a human language, you want to communicate with a specific population with a coding language. You want to solve a specific problem. And also the vast majority of skills you learn in any language are going to translate to another one. The syntax may be different a little bit, but everything you learn, all the logic, all the ways that it works, how things talk to each other, you know, most coding languages are very similar in how they do those things. And you just have to learn the little bits and bobs that are different. So we kind of talked about this. He said like the biggest thing is you want to start with the intent to solve a problem or achieve a thing because learning programming just to learn programming is like practicing scales on an instrument without like having a song in mind that you want to play. You're just like, I'm going to be the best at scales. Yeah, I'm going to be so good at scales. Mm. Or it's like, I want to learn how to use hammers. I want to learn how to use saws. It's like, no, you want to learn how to build a house. <laughs> You're just bro. hitting something with a hammer for hours. I'm getting really <laughs> good, guys. I'm the best hammerer. Yeah, so when you're like excited to solve a problem, like if you want to make games or something, like that's a great motivation to learn how to code. Or if you want to build your own website, that's an awesome motivation to learn. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to go to college for it. Like it can definitely be helpful, but I know so many very, very smart coders who didn't go to school for this stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say like, you probably didn't learn most of your coding stuff from classes, did you? Because I certainly didn't. I suppose at this point, no. 
most of what I've learned has been either on my own time mm-hmm. or when I was working at Flying Hippo on servers and websites there. Yeah. Really, working on real projects is what taught me the most. Yep. Classes didn't teach me as much. Working on my own websites or your website or uh, real servers that I'm doing things with, that is the, that's been the most educational thing for me at this point. But that's because I've gone pretty far into where I need to be doing big projects to learn a lot more. Yeah, but exactly. Things like just that little Linux project that I did where I was messing around with Pokemon wallpapers, that kind of thing was so educational to me at the time. So you can't underestimate, like, I'm not saying... Everybody needs to go out and work on some big website or some crazy server. Anything that actually has, like, that you, there's a point that you want to do Mm. or a thing you're trying out. If you're just like, ooh, I wonder if I can make it display like this. And then you make it do that. That's, that's a perfectly good way to, to try it out too. And, uh, uh, stepping to the side of that a little bit, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, like, the persona, the fact that mm-hmm. there's a stereotype that code and programming, uh, all this, it's the most overwhelming, mysterious, dark magic you've ever heard of, and you can't possibly learn it. Mm. And that's just, it's just so not true. It's because the people who brag about coding are have probably been doing it for a while. Yeah. So it's hard to see the beginning stages. Who Who is showing off look, I learned how to make a paragraph on the page. Who is showing that <laughs> off on the internet? Whose Twitter bio is, I just learned how to use the paragraph tag. You get your bro hat and you're just like, I can write Hello World in two languages. Yeah, Look but like... Who I am. Uh, the internet, I mean, this is true of everything, but it's so easy now mm-hmm. to just see all the most accomplished people in every field Yeah, and think that everything's impossible. And because of TV, programming, like, if you're a programmer, people... We'll just think you're some sort of super genius. Like, that's not necessarily the case. I'm not saying you're not a super genius. Yeah. But it's a very accessible craft if you take it that way. And Yeah, exactly. Co- coding can seem very arcane. I think it's one of those uh, skills where it's very easy to access examples of high-level coding. Yeah. Like, you can look at the, the source of a web page, like, if you hit control U on you any any youtube page and look at the code you're gonna be like what is all this this makes no sense to me but that would be the same as like opening a probability theory book and looking at all the equations in there and like expecting yourself to know all that like obviously there's a foundation there that you haven't gotten yet and and you haven't even given it any time you haven't even really tried to to parse it you've just looked at this giant arcane wall of weird you know, weird uh, text that doesn't make sense and going, oh man, that looks super intimidating. Yeah. When in fact, it's it's very logical. You just need to learn everything that underlies it. Yeah, that it's really helpful that you mentioned that because another one of these things that I've wrote down here that I want to mention is the the way to get good at reading your programming or not being overwhelmed is simply, so you're looking at that giant wall of text, sure, but you you cannot you cannot interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. You'll never interpret it that way. Me, as a higher level programmer at my job, had to try to fix some bugs in something that a much more uh, experienced programmer had built before me. 
and there were several bugs in it. So I'm going through like four, four, maybe five uh, huge pages of PHP. Yeah. Doing stuff that I don't know how to do. And they're all connected and the bugs I have to find are very specific and I don't, I don't really know what's going on. So I actually, there was quite a bit of time where I just kind of kept staring at them all going, oh God, what is going on? How am I going to figure this out? (laughs) I'm so confused. And no matter how long, even as a good programmer, no matter how long I just stare at those things, I will never understand it all at once. You have to break it down into a piece. You have to say, okay, so here's... Here's this line. Yeah. What is this chunk doing? And if you don't break programming into chunks like that, it is so, so easy to to make it into this debilitating mystical thing that you're never going to get. But that's that's mm-hmm. like you said, like imagine that I'm just gonna go look at a page of Chinese and say, Well, I don't know any of those. I'm confused. Well, of yeah, course of course you don't. You need to break it down. Yeah, like with Chinese, it's like what what does this character mean? I yeah. think that that is a fundamental skill of coding is is being able to look at one statement and go okay do I understand what this is doing no okay then I need to slow down and figure out what it is doing yeah uh, it's all very logical so if you don't understand what it's doing you may have to look up a specific term in the documentation to figure out what that does you may need to learn the syntax a little more clearly because you're like okay this is a bracket is this different than a parenthesis um, this is a colon. Is this different than a semicolon? It's at the beginning of, of a word instead of at the end. Like, why is that? Uh, why does it happen? All the information that you need to understand what any particular line is doing is accessible. You just need both the time and patience and uh, to know where the resources are to figure it out. Yeah, it's like the thing about coding is it's not magic and computers do literally literally what they are told to do yep the only possible thing that can be wrong with your program is that the instructions are not clear enough for the computer or they are <laughs> incorrect that's the only thing that can be wrong instructions not clear i mean sure stuck in sure maybe there's this crazy bug in your computer maybe the computer is broken but <laughs> disregarding that the things that can be wrong with programs are that the instructions are incorrect or not clear enough mm-hmm. it is it's never just some sort of crazy magic that you can't understand you can go in there you can find the exact spot and say oh it's just trying to follow this right i see why you would get confused if all you knew how to do was read these instructions yeah exactly um somebody once told me that there's like two steps to becoming a great coder one is write a lot of code but the other one is to read a lot of code Uh, both your own but also that of other people and I heavily agree with this. In fact, I would say one of the um, one of the most important things I ever did that increased my knowledge is I would just read the source of other websites. Like I would go on websites I admired and I was like, okay, how do they do that thing right there? Like how is that little widget sticking to the sidebar? Like how is it scrolling with the rest of the page when everything else is going up? Or, uh, you know, how is that um, thing like, made to look that certain way and i would just like in in most any browser you can right click any part of a web page uh you can hit inspect and you will see the exact code that is making that thing appear and then right next to that you'll see all the css that's making it look the way it looks 
And then you just got to figure out like, okay, what does that mean right there? What is a, you know, div ID equals watch header mean? And then you go look at documentation for whatever language you're trying to learn in. I mean, this is specific to uh, web development, but um, it's very similar to any language you want to learn. If you can get an example of something doing something and then the actual code behind it, you can start to look at that code and start to reason out like, okay, what's causing that thing to happen? Uh, well, it looks like this variable here is named very closely to what that is. So that's probably a good place to start hunting. Yeah. And that like, that's definitely, you cannot get good at coding if you do not code and read code. You, you need those things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like a foreign language. It's, Let's say I'm I'm trying to program. I've memorized. I know what static means. I know what int means. I know what a function means. And I know what a for loop is. But that's not... I'm not automatically... Am I a brilliant programmer now? Is that like I learned 10 words in Spanish. Am I now fluent in Spanish? Yeah. No, because you need to use it a lot. You gain an mm-hmm. innate understanding of these things by continuously using and improving your small amount of knowledge until it grows. Yeah, exactly. And... It's just, it's such an important mindset to have because it's definitely accessible. I think anybody could program. There's this, uh, um, where is it from? It's There's this video put out by code.org, I think, mm-hmm. where it's got like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Gabe Newell, tons of people in it, all just saying how great programming is to learn. And it opens with this quote from Steve Jobs. And it's, uh, everybody in this country should learn to program a computer ellipsis because it teaches you how to think and it's just anyone anyone could learn this stuff so take take that uh pokemon wallpaper changing thing that i wrote yeah maybe that sounds like magic maybe it doesn't at the time if i had just been thinking how do i do this i'm gonna start from scratch right now i'm gonna write the script that does it i would have been overwhelmed but that's not how i did it you start step by step so first, I was like, how do I change the background using a, a command? Mm-hmm. First step. Then, how do I run that command in a script? Then, how do I make a script that does that echoes, it makes a random number? How do I make something do something randomly? Yeah. And then once I learn that, kind of merge those two pieces of logic that I just taught myself how to do to try to pick a random background. Mm-hmm. And then... How do I make it run when I log in? Like it's it's several steps. Each one each one is just a little step that builds on the previous one. But if I had just decided to go up to that little text document and say, I'm gonna write a script that randomly makes backgrounds and <laughs> I didn't know how to do it, any of the steps, that's overwhelming. It wouldn't have been done. Yeah, you're not gonna know how to do it at all. Which you, totally makes sense. You've got to learn piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. There's not really a shortcut. Yeah, exactly. That is uh it's definitely exactly how I learned. And like a lot of this, you won't be able to see, like, um, you're going to have to do just, you're going to have to kind of immerse yourself in this as well. Uh, one good example is like when I was building the registration and login system for my, that, that two birds or three birds with one stone project I talked about, um, I had read something about like how you should salt passwords and it's like salting passwords is not something you can see. Uh, when you look at a login form on a website, like you type in your username and password and it logs you in. You don't see any of the machinery behind the scenes. So you do kind of have to read into this kind of stuff. And if you're curious, basically salting a password means, um, 
I guess there's a foundation we have to establish here before I can talk about what assault is. So basically, a password is like you set a password, and then when you log in, you type in your password, and the computer program says, is what you typed in identical to what we have stored? Except for when you type your password in when you register, it scrambles it in a certain way, and then when you type in your password and you log in, it scrambles it the exact same way, and it compares those two things to make sure those two are the same. And uh, salting basically is just a process of adding a bunch of already scrambled text to the end of your unscrambled password and then scrambling that just to make sure that whatever is scrambled was already super long and hard to crack to begin with. So that way, if your password happens to be like farts, something really unsecure, then it's it's going to end up secure anyway because the computer has assigned a bunch of random characters to the end of it. Um, and then the same code will be appended to the end of whatever you log in with and that's what it's compared to so i had to learn how to make those like how to how to code assault algorithm and uh i wouldn't have known that unless i was reading about just the general best practices of coding login forms which uh leads me into something i wanted to talk about i did say a little earlier in this episode that you don't necessarily need college or a computer science degree or anything like that to learn how to code but I do think that coding is not just a process of trying to take the most direct route from I know nothing to I want to code a video game because there's going to be foundational knowledge that you don't know you need. Um, And I do think it is worthwhile to go through some sort of course or to go through a book or some sort of like foundational chunk of education to build a like a base of skills. Like I didn't start from knowing nothing to coding all the PHP that went into my uh, extra credit website. I actually went through a good chunk of a PHP book and I learned like a the bulk of the basic syntax before coding that thing. That was like kind of my roundabout way. And I think when you do that, you're kind of just like, like there's a value to going through a curriculum because you're exposing yourself to what are generally accepted to be a lot of the foundational concepts. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I've I've taken a lot of value from the courses that I've taken, whether it's school or whether it's an online kind of code academy kind of business. Mm -hmm. Like definitely being run through a curriculum is good because maybe you wouldn't have thought that there was this other kind of loop that would have been useful. Mm -hmm. A foundational knowledge is important, but yeah, taking that and combining it with some sort of either you've got a great interest in doing really well in your class or the thing you're learning on online or you've got a personal project where you take, okay, I just learned how to do this cool thing. So maybe maybe it's your personal website. Maybe your personal website is like a like a sandbox Yeah. where you learn something new and you're like, I'm going to do something on my website that uses that. I don't know what, but I'm going to do it and it's mm-hmm. going to be cool because it's like it's your website. You can do whatever you want with it. So it can definitely be a playground for all the new toys you learn how to yeah, yeah, exactly. play with. And that's that's a great way to help internalize what you would be learning in a course like that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and it's there's definitely a value in formal instruction. Um, I'm learning that with figure skating. Like it's a huge having a coach. Oh, it's a huge has, shortcut, right? It's a ridiculous shortcut. I would have taught myself so many bad habits. There are so many things that I would never have known. Even reading the books I have on skating, like 
there's just so much that I don't notice myself doing wrong and having someone there to just, just guide me through this the established, like you need this skill, this skill is foundational to this skill. Like if you want to jump, then you need to know how to hold an edge. And if you want to hold an edge, you need to drill edges. And if you want to be able to drill edges, you need to learn how to go backwards with one foot in front of the other. And like, there's all these things. So I think that it is, there is a lot of value in going through some sort of program that teaches you like, this is the, the best path to quickly and efficiently learning what you need to know, like the foundation. Um, there's a book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And I'm, I, I started reading it. I may finish it at one point, but I've kind of committed myself to only reading one book at a time because I think that's uh, smarter than having like five going at the same time. Uh, but he kind of makes clear that like successful investors are the people who follow established models. I mean, there's always going to be the maverick who finds the new way to do something in investing, but uh, the majority of people who are successful follow established models, just like the majority of successful taxi drivers follow the best models of the shortest and most efficient routes. And it's the same with coding, right? If you follow the best model of learning all the foundations, then you build a, uh, you know, a base of knowledge that you can use to, to quickly, uh, more quickly progress rather than if you're just like assembling this smattering of code here and there and then you happen to pick the most inefficient sorting algorithm to learn or you happen to pick like a really old language and you didn't know that it had been uh, replaced by something better you know yeah and that's really what education is all about mm -hmm. really whether you're reading a nonfiction book you're taking a course you're listening to this podcast or watching one of tom's videos that education is about providing a shortcut to knowledge yeah, because you could figure anything out like on your own theoretically, but do you want to learn how to invent the wheel or do you want to take a shortcut because somebody else has already done all the hard work and that foundation, if you if you get it from a more formal setting, be it a course or like a code academy kind of thing, that is so, so useful because A, in a, in a university, you've got access to somebody who knows how it works. Yeah. Uh, I presume. And that's really helpful to have somebody to look at your code when you're like, I, I really can't, I can't figure out why this doesn't work. I know it's this line. I figured out it's this line, mm -hmm. but why doesn't it work? And maybe it's some obscure problem that they know about through experience. Yeah, exactly. And you're getting a shortcut and access to that experience where otherwise teaching yourself by yourself with no helpful, here's a curriculum sort of thing, it's going to take you a lot longer to put together the same knowledge and you could have invested that time maybe a little more efficiently. Yeah, exactly. Which is why um, I think it's actually pretty essential to get yourself hooked into some sort of community in some way dedicated to whatever coding language that you're doing. Um, that could be a class on, on campus or maybe there's a club for people who are like a game development club or a web development club, or it could be as simple as just being a part of a forum or like a Slack group or something like people who like to code, just having people you can kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, there's also a lot of resources. I want to talk about resources for learning coding and some other stuff right now, but right now I want to focus on there are resources you can use to uh, just get help when you need it, when you're stuck. I think the best one that I can think of is probably like in general, it's probably Stack Exchange. Um, and Stack Exchange is a 
giant collection of basically question and answer communities. So you can sign up, you can ask questions. Um, the one that's like the general programming one is called Stack Overflow, but there are there's like the web development Stack Exchange and the WordPress Stack Exchange, and then there's like a game development one, and there are also ones for non-programming topics. It's it's really expanded in recent years. It yeah, was yes. just Stack Overflow at first. Yeah, I've been onto the server one a lot. They've got one That's for right, servers yeah. too. Server exchange. There's also like super user for just crazy computer users, not necessarily coders. Uh, so more likely than not, your coding question has been answered there already. But if it hasn't been, you can ask it. Um, also, there are just many forums and stuff out there for your specific uh, language or program, such as say you decide that you want to build a Word, uh, WordPress website. Well, the WordPress.org forums are filled with very helpful people. Or um, let's say, you know, any coding language. There's a, I know there's a website called uh, Dream in Code, I think it's called. And it's like a, a bunch of forums that I used to use when I was a student. And um, those were really, really, really helpful as well. I'm writing notes down actually right now, so I don't forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, you're going to want to get real familiar with the documentation for whatever you choose. So with PHP, there are, there's like php.net, I think it is, uh, PHP, so I think I said B, php.net is where all the documentation is. Whatever language you choose, there is an official documentation somewhere where if there's like a, a term or a class or whatever, kind of like, you know, for, or then, if then, you know, while. You look it up and it will tell you exactly what it does in that language. And then it usually will give you examples of how it works. So you can be like, oh, okay, now I understand what it's doing. I have to put my semicolon there, not there. And uh, I know in the PHP ones, there's also a comment section where people will add more examples or more complicated ones. So whatever language you end up choosing, you're going to want to get very familiar with your documentation and also some sort of community where you can ask questions when you inevitably get stuck. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I also had a couple of quick tips that maybe, I don't know if you disagree with, or maybe they're just, maybe they're too specific to what I have learned. Um, but I would say like, get yourself a good editor. Now, like a text editor? Yeah. Cause like I started out using Microsoft notepad and that does not highlight oh, uh, different colors. Syntax based on, like, highlighting is yeah, that's so really helpful. helpful. Syntax highlighting is amazing. I would suggest like if you're going to code like anything in web development, I would use uh, sublime text or brackets. Uh, there's also the GitHub one, uh, Adam. Oh, that's right. Adam as well. Yeah. So I'll write all, I'll put all those in the show notes. Those are really good. And um, I know Adam is Adam free. Yes. Adam's free brackets is free. Sublime text is unlimited evaluation mode. So I think you're eventually like supposed to buy it, but you can try it out first if you really like it. I like sublime text the best because you can you can do multiple selections like you can hold control and click at any point and it will like select all those places and then like so say you need to delete one thing out of every line or something or you need to add like a word to the beginning of every every single line somewhere you can do that and i found that massively helpful um Maybe Martin, you'll be a hipster and tell people to use Vim. Oh, I was good. I was planning on <laughs> shouting out to the Vim users. Uh, I don't recommend it for people learning how to program. That's a no, horrible idea. If you want to use Vim, you will find it out on your own, or you already know. 
That's probably that's, a pretty good explanation the, of that's it. That's the yeah. only kind of person that needs to use Vim is the kind who seeks it out themselves or is already using it. Everybody else, mm-hmm. use something better. Use something more modern. Vim Vim is great, but Vim requires uh, learning. Oh, you have to memorize all these shortcuts. And... It would be like learning uh, a new alphabet, almost. It's wonderful in that you can use it mm-hmm. in, a, in command line. Like, yeah. I can... Uh, connect to a remote server and I only have command line access and then you can edit stuff that way. But yeah. And uh, it's, it's built to, it's a very specific, never it's built. So you never have to take your hands off the keyboard. So like you move through text using like JKL. Yeah. But, uh, learning that and getting into second nature takes so long that unless it's going to be something you use on a daily basis, like for eight hours, the time it will take you to learn it will outweigh the time. Yeah, it, that you it won't save. be worth it if you're <laughs> yeah. if you're learning to program. Please don't use Vim. I love it, <laughs> but don't use it. Use use I tr- Adam. I tried or, to use it <laughs> or one of the other ones. Sublime Text made me just like abandon my Vim dreams. So you got to really be dedicated or stuck on servers all day for your course, Vim dreams to come true. There's going to be like the one nerd on the Reddit who will berate us if we don't like mention Emacs. So uh, Emacs is a thing. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> there's also, uh, there's Nano. That's like Vim. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it always confused me because it put the instructions right in front of me. And for some reason, I found that harder to understand. Huh. I okay. don't have any idea why. But yeah. you don't need, ignore those. Ignore those. Yeah, I would use one of the three. Use, just because they, use uh, one of the first they have built-in syntax highlighting. And they also uh, can do things called, like, in PHP, they call it linting. Which is basically like, it will... highlight mistakes basically oh yeah Um, yeah and like if you're learning another language like java or or basic or whatever then you're going to be using what's called an ide which stands for integrated development environment i believe and uh, usually your coding window is like built into it and it's also got all the guts that it needs to run the programs thing about web development is you're usually not running you're not compiling programs and running them uh compiling basically just means it takes the code you wrote and it chews it up and spits out code that the computer can understand and then runs it on your computer. And with web development, uh, you are writing code for yeah, it's servers just elsewhere. It basically. just stays there. Yeah, so you don't have to compile your stuff. But any other programming language, for the most part, you're going to be debugging stuff in your IDE and everything. But I know a lot of people, when they say, you know, how do I code? What they mean is, like, how do I build websites? So if that's you, go with those. Uh, if if yeah. you want to learn um, game development, for instance, you might be using a completely different language, uh, and you may be using something like um, what, what was that thing that Clyde was messing with? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. I know that oh, little man. about game development. There's so many I ways to make games. I don't <laughs> don't remember it all. Okay, I remember I I tried my hand at making games like twice. Uh, I used RPG Maker at one point, <laughs> which is just like, like a, the PS1 game. Uh, I had a PC version, I think. I always wanted that game. I made something kind of fun with it. It was really short, but it was fun. Cool. And then I also had, I don't, I don't remember what it was called, but it was some like 3d game generation thing engine. It wasn't like unreal. It wasn't anything like new. Hmm. I think if you want to learn now, you would go with either unreal or, um, there's like unity. unity. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there are other ones too. Maybe people can shout them out in the discussion thread. Yeah, for People this who know maybe. more about game development, please. Yeah, chime in. Actually, we we know I almost. I don't zero. know those things. Uh, all all we it. know is we've got a friend who wants to learn how to develop games, and we we're like, okay, 
go on Udemy or Linda or something and find a course, any course on game development that seems to be uh, congruent with what your goals are, the type of games you want to make, and then start learning. Yeah, if you've got do it. if you've got any suggestions for that kind of thing, or where's yeah. a good place to start with that, I'm sure that other people in the community would find that helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, my last little quick tip before I go into resources, real quick, are is uh, if you if you run into like a giant wall of code that's just like unintelligible and just a block, Google whatever language you're coding in, Formatter or Beautifier. So like there's like the JS beautifier is a JavaScript beautifier and you can paste as garbled and like as blocky of a uh, block of code in there as you want. And then it will spit out. Oh, beautifully yeah. formatted. For like, if all the line breaks are ruined and it's yeah. like one big line. Yep. Uh, also, they're called prettifiers sometimes like pretty fire. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to look into. And then I wanted to talk about websites where you can start to learn how to code because you don't have to take a college course on this. There are many websites that can teach you, I would argue, in even more efficient manner than a lot of your classes will do. In fact, I know you had a class where they literally said one of the units is to go find a Code Academy course and go through it. That was my favorite assignment. Yeah. Because I had been looking for an excuse to learn jQuery for a long time, mm. and then he just gave it to me. Boom. That was wonderful. Just took the took the thing on Code Academy, learned a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know. Yeah. Pretty great. Um, okay, so the ones that I wrote down were Code Academy, which I would say is probably the best one I've seen if you're looking for like if you're looking for one that isn't like video courses, if you're looking for one that's like mainly interactive, you're basically like hands on the keyboard coding for the most part, and there's just like text instructions next to you. Codecademy is amazing. They have a lot of different courses in a lot of different languages. Um, and then the best one I've come across for video courses, if you actually kind of want to go through a class, is Treehouse. Um, I actually won a kind of scholarship to Treehouse when I was a, a junior or something. I, yeah, I think I was a junior. I just signed up. They were like, hey, we're giving out, you know, 2,000 free one-year-long memberships to Treehouse. Sign up if you're a college student and we'll randomly select uh, as many as uh, you know 2000 and I was one of the people selected and it was cool I actually went through a treehouse course to learn how to code iPhone apps um, cool and there's a there's a blog post on college and geek about my experience doing that which is pretty cool so check that out uh, lynda.com obviously is a great resource they have a, basically any coding language and any software they will probably have multiple courses on and then a few other I wrote down here there's one called code combat I think that's what it's called. Now, this was yeah, built by so. the guy who wrote The Motivation From, Hacker, yeah, that's Nick Winters. Nick Winters, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's really cool, actually. Basically, it's like, I think it's built to teach you JavaScript, though they may have also integrated Python by now. And uh, you're like, it's like an RPG almost, and you like have to code, you have to write code to make your character move and attack monsters and all this stuff. So you're like playing a video game while you code. Um, in college, I used one called JavaBat. I believe it is now called CodingBat, um, if it still exists. And I found JavaBat way more helpful than my class because JavaBat gave me very nicely uh, curving progression of difficulty problems to solve in Java. And it gave me like the explanations and the solutions to them. So that was great. And then uh, Coursera, MIT OpenCourseWare, all those like MOOC things they're all going to have like college level courses on them where you can learn to code or learn the fundamentals of computer science if you want to 
And one I came across recently was called Code Avengers. It seems pretty similar to Code Academy. So there's a lot of choices. Yeah. Um, also, this isn't a learning one. This is more of like a reference site that I didn't mention before. But GitHub, uh, GitHub is a place where people can host open source projects in any coding language. And you can like, quote unquote, fork a project, which basically means to copy it and like branch it off into your own version of that project if you want. So if you want to grab somebody's project and start fiddling around with it and start making your own changes, GitHub is the place to do that. Yeah, or even if you just want to read their code. How did you make this thing? Yeah. Well, literally, here's all the code. Oh, and GitHub is great for that because you don't, like, if if it's a Java program, you can't just, like, view source in the browser. But GitHub has code of all types, and you can read it right on GitHub. Yeah. So if you want to read code, go to GitHub. Uh, those are the ones I wrote down. Did you have any before we... Yeah, I had uh, just a couple more. Um, if you want to fiddle around, I guess that's almost a pun at this point. <laughs> uh, I use CodePen and JS Fiddle a lot. Oh, yeah, It yeah. gives you like an in-browser environment where you can write down HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It it gives you a good testing place. It's yeah, like yeah. a little sandbox. Um, now, a one for like video courses that I've tried out is Code School. I've only done the free courses ever. Okay. But I I enjoyed them. There some of them are a little more specific. But one one course that they have uh, teaches you the basics of the elusive badge of honor imbuing regular expressions. That is such oh, that yeah. is such like a potentially intense nerdy programming thing <laughs> that I had a friend who had a shirt that was like I know regular expressions. <laughs> That's so that's pretty crazy. That's I think like they're fun. That's like those shirts that say like home is 127. Dot, or there's no place like 127.0.0.1. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I even, I've looked at this a little bit. I was thinking about it for like, I just wanted to look at it because it's from code.org. They had the video I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But if you go to code.org slash learn, they've got these incredibly simplified hour of code things where oh, you sweet. don't really code a lot. It's not a lot of, you don't type in code. The idea is that they will teach you the logic, the basic logic behind okay. what does an if thing do? What is loops? It's ridiculously like simplified. Loops? Like if you are, yeah, like Fruit Loops. They're simple. Everyone can have Fruit Loops, <laughs> except probably people who can't have gluten or <laughs> probably soy. I don't know. I haven't looked at the ingredients. Fruit Loops but are much more inclusive than tricks. It's just, it's friendly enough that you can give it to your kid brother or sister and they should be able to get through it so therefore if you are just absolutely terrified of the logic behind this you can try that thing out and it will be like this is essentially how a program works okay it's got a oh sweet it's it's got like a minecraft uh skin themed one that i went through to test it out yeah no you don't type any code syntax if that stuff is too scary right now that's okay learn the logic first and then you can make sense of it later because basically every program uses the same logic they all use the same basic logic components oh sweet yeah i thought it was really nice that they simplified it that far down that reminds me i've seen i can't remember the name of it but i've seen this tool where you can make games by uh you like literally drag and drop stuff and then you can open up the code yeah. and tweak things. Yeah, I can't remember the... what this engine is called. Uh, there's one called Game Salad. That it, it may be it, but I'm not sure. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. And also, 
for anyone curious about making games, since I Googled this, I found this blog post called, uh, what was it? 16 ways to make your game for free. And it's got a list of all these engines you can use like unity mono game is on here. Cool. Uh, all this stuff in here. So yeah, check this stuff out. I can't remember the one that I'm thinking of. It might be game salad. It might be something else. I don't know. I feel like our friend Quentin knows, but there's a bunch of things on here you can try. So I will just link to this thing um, in the show notes and you can start start exploring if game development is the thing you want to do. I also want to say like one thing I've heard about game development is like you don't need to go to full sale university. You don't need to go to one of these game development specific programs. Um, a lot of people actually recommend doing a computer science degree in general and then applying what you learn from that to a lot of self-directed game development. And I think that's probably a pretty smart way to go about it. Um, obviously I'm sure people will have arguments against me, but you know, a computer science degree is very applicable to a wide variety of jobs. It's, um, you know, a very high return on investment major with a lot of job opportunities and you can apply it so well to self-taught game development if that's what your thing is. Yeah, and if you change your mind later, you're not like, oh no, my major was ridiculously specific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Computer science is flexible. Yeah, exactly. Plus, like, I mean, I know like game development doesn't pay as well as certain other fields too. So, you know, there's a lot of research to do in there. If I was going to make games, I would want to do it kind of as a hobby, personally. I, and sometimes I wish I could find the time to do that. <laughs> um, oh yeah, for game development, the one thing I wanted to mention, there are things called game jams. And uh, it's basically like if you're familiar with the startup weekend concept, which is basically like you go to this event, you get a group and you come up with a startup idea and then you spend 54 hours like straight working on it. And then at the end you present and there's like winners decided game jams are like that. It's like just a it's like a hackathon basically for building games. You show up, you get a group of random people, you come up with an idea and you randomly build a game in a weekend just for fun. And that can be a great learning experience and it can be a way to meet people who are also interested in game dev. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, hackathons are also great. If Hackathons are amazing. If you're interested in coding at all, go to hackathons, like straight up. If there is one near you, it's going to be an amazing experience. So I think I've said all that I, <laughs> all that yeah. I planned on saying about coding. Uh, there's probably more that I'm forgetting, but as it stands, the uh, show notes are going to be pretty huge for this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully that means that this one is pretty useful. Yeah. So a uh, quick recap here, because I know we it's like an hour and 10 minutes of just, wow. just throwing stuff at you guys. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to boil this down into like some steps from ground zero, uh, what would you tell someone? Ground zero? Uh, probably... Pick a language that you want to learn. HTML and CSS aren't technically programming, but they help you learn how to interface with a computer. I think that's an important step. Mm -hmm. And if you throw PHP in there, then you have all the ingredients you need as a starter to mess with WordPress, which okay. is what College Info Geek is built on. Mm -hmm. So I just pick a language that applies to something that you can fiddle around with, something you have access to. Web stuff is useful because everybody has, has access to a text editor. Mm -hmm. If you want to mess with servers, pick uh, shell scripting, figure something out. I would argue that everyone has access to almost everything now. Now that like there are so many free 
game development things and there's so many free like everything is oh free, yeah that's that's know. true like i think well, it used to be kind of an issue of like okay how do i get the ide how do i find all this stuff but like now it's so that's easy true to do i haven't looked for an ide in a while well i guess i primarily mean something that you have a very accessible thing you can fiddle around with yeah. in mind okay so for yeah, me that's a an website interest and try to find a code that matches it there's like an obvious use for that build my own website mm-hmm. but find something pick a language that you can use for some sort of personal project uh, see if there are any of those courses available that will cover it there almost certainly are yeah and if you're gonna start just just do that why overcomplicate it yeah if you think too much about what the f- perfect next steps are you're gonna get freaked out and overwhelmed and you're not gonna get anywhere that's pick, very true pick a language find one of those courses take a class and just start fiddling around with it. Mm-hmm. And you can think about how to improve your programming to vast levels later after you're comfortable with even the thought of basic programming. Yeah, that's very, very true. If I give too many steps now. That's true. I do remember because I do remember people it's were just like, uh, I, I had a question once and the guy was like, oh, I, I know we should learn HTML and CSS first for web development. But like, where do I go from there? Because from there, there's like Ruby or there's PHP. Yeah, doesn't even doesn't even matter where you go from there. Code, not important like, yet. Do not worry about it. Just learn do those something two, now. And then start building something. And when you run into a problem and you cannot solve it, go ask around about the best way to fix it. And invariably, you're going to get a million different answers from a million different nerds. Try to figure it out, but don't worry about it now, bro. You're yeah, going to be that, okay. You're going to be problem, fine. Don't, prob- don't borrow problems from your future self. <laughs> future self, they're smart. They'll deal with it. That's true. Hey, that's that's a good overall life slogan. Don't push problems onto your future self, but don't borrow the problems he's already got. Yeah, you've got your own. Solve them. Future self will figure out where you go after you learn the basics. That's uh, that's a pretty good piece of advice there. Cool. So you know what I've always been been forgetting to do? Yeah. uh, Is say like, you know, if you guys want to connect with us on like the social media stuff, do you care? If I, if you, I don't know, like, I feel like I should give you the forum to be like, yo, follow me on Twitter, brah. Oh yeah. And I haven't done that yeah. in like any of these episodes and, and the next one I won't because we recorded it before this one. <laughs> <laughs> but if people want to connect with you online and all that jazz, where can they go? Bro? Well, uh, probably through Twitter is the easiest place because I ignore a lot of other places and that's at MPV Bamey, which is B-O-E-H-M-E. And we just throw that in the show notes. I've got a hard to spell name, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Also, if anybody has any cool ideas or things you want to cover, the Reddit is is just, there's a topic request thread. If mm-hmm. you've got cool ideas or maybe just tweet us something, if you don't use Reddit, we, yeah. are, we are listening. But use the Reddit because the Reddit's cool. <laughs> yeah, the Reddit, the Reddit is pretty cool. Part of what Martin does every day is go in and, and take a look at all the Reddit threads. And uh, when you see them, like they've got like the little tag that says question or tip or anything, um, Martin goes in and adds those. You can actually add them yourself. If you're on the actual thread page, there's a little flare option if you want to oh, add you? it yourself. Yeah, anybody can yeah, add it. I don't it. know how to use Reddit. Um, I think a lot of people don't know about flaring. So that's why I ask you to do it because it just it keeps it mm, nice and organized. Okay. But we love it when people are offering their own tips and stuff too. Like it's, it's mainly questions in there. That's totally cool. But um, tips are amazingly appreciated. And also, like, I know we don't often answer the requests in the request thread, but what we do with them is we take them and we put them in Asana, which is like the team 
project management software we use. And then that's how we actually plan the podcast episodes that we're going to do is we put them in there and we say, oh, a lot of people are asking for this one. And we think this is a really interesting topic. So it'll eventually work its way up to our recording queue and then we'll do it. So um, and then you guys can add your own tips. So there will be a thread for this episode in the community. And if you've got extra tips, if you have other resources, uh, maybe you've got stories about how you learn how to code or some some resources that you learned for game development or web development or whatever we didn't mention here, we'd love to hear from you. So you can chime in over there. There's going to be a link in the show notes for this episode, which you can find over at CIGpodcast.com. This is episode 106. So find that link on that overall page and you'll find the gigantic smorgasbord of links that we have here. My, my notebook page is just filled up with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing you don't have a pocket notebook out right now or you would have gone through Yeah, like I've, got a, I've got like a whole page of notes here. So I'll get them all up there and uh, there will also be the link to that community thread if you want to chime in. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Stay cute.